What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I can't believe it's already been almost nine months since the Chiefs won their first world championship in 50 years. Let me just congratulate all those parents that are about to have their Super Bowl babies. If you're about to have a baby and are looking for a push present for your significant other, Ruback Fine Jewelry has specially designed gifts to help celebrate one of the biggest moments of your life. If you're about to welcome a new Chiefs fan into the world, Hal, the owner of Ruback, will help you customize your push gift and personalize it to her. If you're not expecting, they've got all kinds of great custom jewelry for whatever occasion you have. If you're looking to pop the question this holiday season, set up an appointment with Hal and Ruback, and he'll provide you with a no-pressure one-on-one consultation. He's been in the industry for over 40 years and will walk you through the entire process. You can't be in the industry for over 100 years unless you're providing a great experience. And Ruback has worked hard to maintain quality and value in Kansas City since 1908. We're excited here at the AP Laboratory to be working with Ruback, and you will be too. Set up an appointment at ruback.co slash appointment. Make sure to tell Hal, go Chiefs when you come through, and let him know you heard about them from the AP Laboratory. Your Kansas City Chiefs take care of business against the New York Jets. 35-9, taking care of what they should have against a very bad football team. Uh, a lot of good things to take away from this performance and here to help me talk about all those things are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, I'm surprised you didn't catch a touchdown from Patrick Mahomes today. I actually did, Kent. Um, you're not aware of it, but I was able to make it back to Kansas City. I did not want to hang out with you. I went and checked out some uh, some nice fine things at Ruback Fine Jewelry and then went to the Chiefs game. Caught a touchdown from Pat, and now I'm on my way back to North Carolina. We're doing this from the airplane right now. Uh, Craig knew I was in town. I'm sorry I didn't let you know. It's probably because you're in an Ohio State sweatshirt. Yeah, that's definitely the case. He told me that if Kent showed up wearing any sort of Ohio State gear, that he would not be allowed to hang out with us. Guys, special teams are fixed. I, I am the happiest person, happiest special teams analyst in the world. They're fixed. Everything went the Chiefs' way this week. It was really fun to have a nice, comfortable, dominant victory for the second week in a row. So let's break it down. Yeah, Maddie Lane going full Sammy Watkins and entering another player's body. Uh, how about that? You know, it wasn't always pretty, this game. Uh, there was definitely some frustration points with this game. You know, the, the, the defense was just allowing the, the Jets to drive kind of at will a little bit all the way into territory, kicking field goals. Obviously, that was a nice way to end it. Um, you know, the offense stalled out a little bit, but I don't think you can get too upset about this performance, and you definitely cannot get us upset about Patrick LaVon Mahomes 416 yards, five touchdowns, 31 of 42 completions. Uh, what a game for him, Maddie. 
It was. I mean, this was the kind of game that you hoped that Patrick Mahomes was going to have against one of the weaker defenses teams in general that he's going to play all season. And I mean, he did exactly what you would expect. I think the really good news was besides like, this is just fun as a fan to have your guy put back into the MVP race, which the final numbers now, like it's going to, he should be statistically probably the MVP leader right now based on these numbers, unless Russell Wilson comes out and it simply replicates this kind of performance in his game that's getting ready to kick off. But he's back in that race now. And then I think what you can see from Mahomes was it's something that you can put your hat on and think this is going to keep happening. Yes, you're not going to have as many wide open guys. Yes, you know, your receivers aren't going to always be as open as they were versus the Jets. But I really like that the Chiefs came out ran a ton of RPOs, and did it with slants. It's been a little while since we've seen the Chiefs really hammer some in-breaking routes off these RPO looks. It's been a lot of stuff to the flats, or they've been trying to get vertical off the RPO looks. I much enjoyed these slants. I think there was a couple they even missed on that they were trying to connect on, and it was open all game long, just about any time they wanted it. When you have the speed that you get with Hill and Hardman, Watkins when he's back, plus Travis Kelsey... That's going to be open all game long. I like the Chiefs took it and then used that to set up the deep shots rather than trying to run to set up the deep shots. This is exactly what you want out of the offense when you've got a team that's trying to take away everything vertical, trying to keep a lid on everything. That's kind of what we've been clamoring for is a little more designed plays, things that get the ball quickly in the playmaker's hands and in that space because you're not seeing these guys really come up and try and press the Chiefs, try and knock Tyree Kill off the route because frankly, that's going to end badly. It, it really is. So with all this cushion, now we got to see a lot more slants. Now we got to see a lot more RPOs out of the Chiefs deep or out of the Chiefs offense there. So it just worked. It made it a lot easier for the Chiefs to move the ball, get these big chunk yards. Travis Kelsey ate off of those slants. And then when the Jets decided that they were going to come up a little bit, the Chiefs were able to go vertical again. So they made them pay by going underneath taking what the defense gave them, and then they hit big. This is pretty much the perfect game. This is what you wanted to see out of the offense. Absolutely. It was really interesting to see, you know, the RPO game really working and the pass read real active, you know, and that's something that you haven't necessarily seen as much of. It doesn't feel like they've been throwing the ball off their RPO looks as much recently. They were definitely getting those reads um, here uh, in this game and, and popping it behind some uh, someone in conflict at the second level. It was great to see. You saw a lot of different guys. That's the other thing about this. You saw a lot of different guys getting involved in the RPO game. Um, it wasn't just one guy. It wasn't just like a Tyree kill. There were several plays, different guys, you know, getting, getting touches with the football. I mean, I think that was just the case, not just with the RPO game, but just in general. A lot of guys getting involved in the past game today. Uh, Tyreek Hill, two explosive touchdowns. Uh, you know, something we talked about, Maddie, this week, we really wanted to see the explosive passing game kind of get going. And Tyreek Hill was undoubtedly the benefactor of a couple downfield shots that turned into touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you see it. Tyreek Hill's the best deep ball player in the NFL. I mean, it's probably him and DK Metcalf right now in terms of being the best on vertical passes and for slightly different reasons. But if you're going to get Tyreek Hill, those one-on-one -on -one situations, there's a chance that he's going to burn you on any given play. What, the Chiefs were two or three yards of the ball being out in front of him from there being a third one early in the game? 
So Tyreek Hill getting loose deep. You saw Travis Kelsey working everything underneath. And then we saw a huge game out of McCole Hardman. As a guy I talked about, we all talked about before, this is a good game for him to try to get going. We thought maybe you'd get him utilized a little bit more vertically. The Chiefs didn't do that as much. They actually shifted focus from something that Hardman's done most of his time with them in terms of working vertically. And they used him a lot more underneath and a lot more in the intermediate range. And it was nice to see him do well. He got the second most targets on the team, had the second most catches. I mean, he had seven catches. That's by far the most that he has had with the Chiefs. I think this Kent said it was the first time over four receptions. This is, yeah, it's the first time he's had more than four receptions in a game. Uh, and, I mean, I think part of that's just because, like you said, Matty, they got him involved in the short to intermediate. I mean, that was really a big piece of this is, you know, we've talked so much about McCole Hardman. We've been pretty hard on him. Uh, and, you know, we've wanted to see him kind of grow and mature. What you saw today was opportunities underneath. Obviously, he, you know, his big play of the game came on that 30-yard touch pass, another manufactured touch, but it wasn't all manufactured touches today. Short, underneath passes. Caught one on a sticks play, on, on, a, on a deep curl at the sticks. I mean, you know, I think he had a couple drops. Obviously, you don't love that, especially one of them. I think he saw, saw some, you know, or heard some footsteps with a safety closing. But you've got to be really, really encouraged by seeing him, you know, get some more plays in different areas of the field. Like you said, Maddie, that's really positive. First time uh, he's broken four catches in a game. Uh, that's that's a it's the Jets, but who cares? This is what we've been wanting to see, and hopefully that continues. Yeah, it's consistency. It's always been consistency with McCole Hardman because you have that high variance play. And when Sammy Watkins went out, you still had the high variance play. This is the second re week in a row that you've seen a good performance from McCole Hardman. Obviously, the Broncos strategy, what they did and the way that that game flow went meant that he didn't get a huge number of targets in that game. This game he did. You got to see the growth that you needed to see to trust McCall Hardman to get more of these snaps, to get more of this role that we that everybody wants him to be in, this is the type of player that you need to see. Yes, again, like like Kent said, it is the Jets, and they stink, but you should beat up on teams like that. One more thing here, Tyreek Hill has 23 receiving touchdowns of 40 yards or longer. That is tied it for the most in NFL history with Randy Moss. Tyreek Hill is 26. Tyreek Hill's probably getting that before the end of the year. That is ludicrous production and consistency. So that's the type of consistency that we talk about when we talk about these burning, these deep threats. Tyreek Hill knows, is very savvy, is a very good receiver, can attack all parts of the field. But man, it's fun to watch him sprint down the field wide open there. And I want to throw some love at Demarcus Robinson. And we haven't mentioned him yet, but he's another guy. He caught some passes that are a little bit downfield. He had a very good game for him, kind of operating in that third wide receiver, fourth option role. But he ended up with over 60 yards. He had a quality game as well. You do still see some issues without Sammy Watkins. Like there was a couple bunch sets where it was either Robinson or Pringle that were the point man on the line of scrimmage. And it really caused a jumble because they were unable to get off the press as quickly or as cleanly as Sammy Watkins can. So trying to protect Tyreek Hill or trying to protect McCole Hardman coming off the line of scrimmage, it gets a little bit harder without Watkins. But it was still, it was nice to see everybody and the receiving group get going. Byron Pringle had a couple nice catches. The only thing you really didn't get was a huge impact from the running backs at any place in the field. I don't know if Ken's wanting to go there at all. Go for it. That's where I was going. That's where I was going next. So 
Perfect transition. Perfect. Yeah, for me, there's a little too much Le'Veon Bell in this game. I understand maybe it was the Jets and they were trying to you know, show let Le'Veon Bell show off a little bit, but he does not move the way he used to. I still like Le'Veon Bell. I think he's a good addition and he is probably a very an, a good upgrade on the Chiefs for the second running back spot. But there's a big difference between watching Clyde Edwards Elair move and Le'Veon Bell. And I found myself yet again thinking on some of these runs that Le'Veon Bell was getting. I really wish they had the better athlete out there because I mean he just isn't very quick anymore. He's lost a little bit of that acceleration. And like I understand being the Jets, but they were alternating series between the two guys. There is no reason that Clyde should have the same amount of carries as Le'Veon Bell. He was just, he's a simply a better player right now. So I just, that mix needs to work itself out as the season goes on. But hopefully this is an outlier and just trying to let Le'Veon Bell showcase his talents versus old team. The funny thing is, if you look at Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Le'Veon Bell and their performance today is 12 carries for 28 yards. Each of them got six carries uh, Daryl Williams helped their, their yards per carry <laughs> at the end of the game, going three carries for 19 yards, but it wouldn't have even looked a lot uglier. The Chiefs only averaged two and a half yards on the ground today. That's it. And it could have been a lot worse if you take away Daryl Williams and his 19 yards on three carries, uh, but it didn't matter. And, you know, a lot of people were stressed out about, you know, what's going to happen with the you know the Chiefs offense, if they get a first round running back, are they going to be super balanced? Forty seven dropbacks today. <laughs> I'm, only I'm old enough to remember when the Chiefs were a run first team like four weeks ago, <laughs> right? I mean, though, that was yeah. like that was stretches of the season. Take what the defense gives you. It's boring. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Uh, but that's kind of what has been happening. But here this week, Chiefs light the scoreboard up in the past game. Uh, it's not just, and it wasn't just Patrick Mahomes boys. We got to talk about, we got to talk about Tommy Townsend here getting Ooh. a big play in the past game too. hits Byron Pringle for a 13 yard curl route. And I tell you what, Byron Pringle shook that gunner up or that vice up. I tell you what, it's like, it's like he didn't know what was coming. <laughs> what a strike by Tommy Townsend. I think we got to hand this over to Craig Stout here, special teams expert. Let's hear about this throw from Tommy Townsend. Listen, uh, Tommy Townsend needs to be sending some flowers to Patrick Mahomes because Byron Pringle was ready for the velocity that Tommy Townsend threw that ball with. That thing was a cannon. It was a rope to Byron Pringle. If that's another quarterback, maybe Byron Pringle's a little bit, you know, not ready for the kind of velocity. No, obviously, I'm joking. It was a terrific throw. And I think everybody knew that it was coming. Uh, Trent Green knew it was coming. He called it before <laughs> before it actually happened. But it was a terrific play there. Tommy Townsend had another great punt that Byron Pringle and Antonio Hamilton couldn't close on there at the end. I think you're seeing some of the reasons why Dave Tobe has preferred Tommy Townsend over Dustin Colquitt. We are now halfway through the season. We are seeing that the punting game still works well, and we are seeing that he gets to implement some of these things. Tommy Townsend can run as well. He had a terrific 40 time. A guy that was, uh, they used him running the ball on some fake punts in college as well. He's going to be a weapon in those sorts of things. So a lot of teams are going to have to keep their heads on swivels here. Tommy Townsend, the real deal here. 
I can only imagine how jazzed Dave Tobe is right now. You know he was really upset a couple weeks ago when he read that they were the 32nd ranked special teams unit, and he absolutely (laughs) blasted his teams. So now here they are playing the Jets, who don't look like they could stop like a slight gust of wind, and he's still out here dialing up his most favorite prized fake punt play. Like This is one of the best fake punt plays ever because it's a punter throwing the ball outside. Like, this isn't hitting a guy leaking into the flat or a little dump off over there. Like, he had him throw the ball outside because in his studying of film, he saw that this vice turns inside when he's got inside. It's just, it's just hilarious to think how hyped Dave Tobe had to be when this play went down. Dustin Colquitt would never. <laughs> I I, I want to do, like, an, like, arm talent rankings on the Chiefs roster. I think it's got to go Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey. Maybe Kelsey. Kelsey. He's got a cannon, even though if it's not accurate. The Chiefs just presented another weapon for teams to to deal with, and that's Tommy Townsend. My favorite thing about Tommy Townsend is I saw a side view of it, and he definitely pitched when he was in high school because my man's throwing with, like, a double body width stride. Like, that is classic I used to pitch form. Uh, and I mean, he sailed the ball a little bit and that's probably because of his base. He probably needs to shorten his base a little bit. You know, maybe oh, he Dave was Tope. juiced too. Don't no, he, oh, he was you juiced. Know, oh, you know, he was juiced. You know, he was just absolutely psyched about that. Um, real quick on the special teams too, Craig. Um, we got to talk here again because Harrison Br- Butker continues to not do all the little things right. This is a 53-yard field goal uh, that didn't count but was on his practice kick. Misses the 53-yard field goal. Also kicks a ball out of bounds on the kickoff. There's all it. Look, it hasn't mattered yet for the Chiefs, and everybody's going to be like, well, who cares? And I kind of get that on the, on the extra points, but there's, it's not just the extra points. Little things that, that, that Harrison Butker is doing are not, like, not working and not, not – He's not doing them all, and that's a problem, I think, Craig. Yeah, it's definitely a problem. It's all those little things that kind of catch up to you. The The missed field goal is one thing. You know, the whistles are going off, right, as he's kicking the ball and all of that, and he obviously knows that the play's not going to happen, but he, he still pulled it a little bit. There, there was some reports that there was a little bit of wind, but the kickoff, this is after the Travis Kelsey, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for dunking the ball over the upright there that set them back and they were kicking off from the 20. You can't kick it out of bounds there because when you're kicking off from the 20 and you kick it out of bounds, the opposition gets the ball on the 50. There's a minute left to go in the half. The Chiefs at this point are up 12 points. And they're up 12 points with the Jets getting the ball at the 50-yard line and getting it immediately after the half. That's just situational awareness there. That's why the Travis Kelsey penalty is frustrating. I don't care if the man dunks it over the upright. You can't put your your defense in a bad spot right before the half when the opposition could maybe double up. Now, Harrison Butker doubles down on it, kicks it out of bounds, goes it out of bounds at the one. I know he's just trying to put a little extra oomph on it, but you have to make sure that it's in play. If the you know if the Jets return it to the 35, who cares? Don't give him the ball on the 50. You just can't do that. Luckily for the Chiefs, they were able to block the field goal right at the end of the half. That was terrific. That's good special teams. I, I just really, 
there's a lot of things that crop up with Harrison Butker week after week here that need to pay attention to because you can't have these sort of mistakes when you're playing against good teams. Can you imagine if they gave you know, the Bucks later this year, if they got to the situation where they gave the Bucks basically two opportunities to come out and score on the Chiefs defense with a minute left and right after the half, you just can't do that. All right, let's go ahead and take a break, and we will be talking about the defense right after this. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, we got through the offense and the special teams. We should probably talk a little bit about the defense before we get out of here. Kind of a weird performance. I mean, the, the Chiefs do only give up and surrender 221 total yards of offense, uh, 128 passing, 93 rushing. Uh, but also just some spurts of just poor play, Craig. It was kind of a weird, it's just kind of a weird day for the defense. Obviously, things settled down late. Yeah, they did. Early on in the game, the Chiefs were giving up nearly six and a half yards per play on first down. They were just getting themselves way behind the sticks. Their third down defense was good. They just weren't ever getting there, and they were allowing big chunk plays, playing very soft coverage while still sending a lot of blitzers. That just kind of allowed the Jets to call some of these quick outs, these quick concepts underneath, taking advantage of all the space. And I'm not sure why they wanted to do that. It's not like the Jets have some sort of speedy stud wide receiver core. They just weren't. They were just giving so much cushion on the outside. And Sam Darnold was pressured, but because he didn't really have to beat coverage, because he didn't really have to wait out a press or anything like that, that allowed him to carve up the Chiefs defense underneath and they were able to score field goals on their first three possessions. It's great to have the field goals, but you can't have that sort of performance. I, I know it's a Jets. I know you want to challenge them to do the little things right. They did early on there, and that's kind of why the Chiefs were a bit behind there. After that sort of slowed down a little bit, realistically, the only things that were a problem were Charvarius Ward still struggled to find the football. Like, that, that's too bad. You know, you, you'd hope to see him kind of come back into it after getting LASIK, be able to maybe make some strides forward with that, and he just wasn't able to. Once again, you saw that on that Denzel Mims catch, and then Bashad Breland drops an interception that turned into some points. Just a couple of little things here and there. And then the defensive line's pressure was just not great. So overall, it really was just kind of a meh performance by the defense. But it was still good because the Jets are awful. And the Chiefs were able to do enough with the guys that they had on the field to really kind of clamp down and hold them to not very many yards and obviously not very many points. I mean, kicking it off from the top... And the secondary and the coverage, I think in the first half, the Chiefs were trying to throw a lot of pressure at Darnold, kind of expecting him to panic like a lot of other quarterbacks they face this year have. And he actually did it. Like Darnold did a very good job in the face of some of these more exotic looks, getting the ball out to the flats really quickly. But then you go look at the stats at the end of the game, and I know the second half wasn't as good, but they weren't really getting anywhere with all these passes. They were just like barely moving the ball into field goal range. And then it was kind of the end of it. So the coverage was pretty well. 
like Craig said, I don't think that anybody was particularly playing poorly in the secondary. Charvarius Ward continuously is going to have a couple plays each game where you're just frustrated because he doesn't look to find the ball and he gets beat at the catch point. He has some other plays, you know, one or two plays a game, he's going to give up at the catch point. One or two plays, he's going to be a little bit late trailing an in-breaking route. That's just kind of what it is. It's unfortunate until they get Sneed back, you're not going to get those ball skills. I think there was even another incomplete pass later in the game that was about a foot past the wide receiver that Ward just never even considered turning around to find. It is what it is. Hopefully it doesn't come back to bite them as much like it did in the Raiders game and it just happens to be play-by-play. But besides that, I thought the secondary was good. Breland dropped an interception, but he played pretty well. I know some people are going to say Tyron Matthew gave up a few completions to Braxton Berrios, but that's a quick little receiver playing against a two-way go, picking up five yards at a time. Like, yeah, it's unfun if it's third and three and he gets a five-yard out, but at the same time, it's a two-way go versus a quick player it's going to be a hard thing to do in coverage. Braxton Berrios ended up with like 40 yards on the game on 11 targets. Less than that, 34 yards on 11 targets. Like we can't complain about that kind of coverage. That's barely anything. Secondary played really well, at least the way I saw it. It wasn't an overly productive day for the pass rush, but that does not apply to one guy. And Chris Jones didn't get a sack today, but he was dominant in the backfield all day against the New York Jets. Yes, Chris Jones is on a heater. My goodness. I, I know that you're going to look at like stat lines for Chris Jones and say, oh, well, he didn't really make a huge impact in this game. That man was in Sam Darnold's face the entire first half. I, I am very curious to chart my pressure percentage by the end of all of this. He was an absolute monster. He was constantly hitting Sam Darnold and while you know, the offense was able to move the ball. It wasn't for lack of trying of Chris Jones. He has rushed the passer extremely well so far over the past three or four games. He just looks outstanding since that Raiders game. He really is just turning in performance after performance of good pass rush. I think that we're going to see, I know, again, you're not seeing the numbers over here. You're not seeing the you know the box score really light up for him. We are a game or two away from Chris Jones having just a breakout box score game. But take note, because he's been doing it for a long time now, past three or four games, just looking outstanding rushing the passer. In that first half, the Chiefs or the Jets, I don't know if it was the Chiefs doing good or the Jets doing bad, but there was a lot of plays where their poor left guard for the Jets was matched up one-on-one in pass protection against Chris Jones, and almost every single time it was that quick inside spin for pressure, or swim move for pressure. Just rep after rep, and I was really trying to figure out what happened, why they were getting it. I think in the second half, they fixed it a little bit. There was a little bit less pressure from Chris Jones. The Chiefs also seemed to blitz a lot less in the second half, kind of play a little bit more coverage, so the two could be related. But yeah, Chris Jones, another dominant game as a pass rusher. Another game where the pass rush outside of Chris Jones, kind of gone. I mean, I'm the biggest Frank Clark supporter for the Chiefs, always have been. I don't know what's going on with his pass rush these last few weeks. Since the Raiders game, he looks like a guy that's playing a lot like he did last year in the middle of the season where we know he was injured. I'm not trying to say he's injured or anything, but he's pretty much only either trying to get a speed rush or a bull rush. No moves, not trying to set up any counters. It's just a one or two step kind of rush plan. It's either speed rush on the outside or he tries to bull rush. And that simply doesn't work very well against Makai Becton, who's playing great for the Jets so far in his rookie year. So I just, I just want to put it out there. I don't think Frank Clark's playing 
been that great as a pass rusher. Thankfully, the Chiefs did get back Taco Charlton, who it's pretty clear is their second best defensive end as a pass rusher. Probably overall, when you just compare the athletic ceiling that he has compared to Tano or Mike Dana. So that was good to see. And overall, the Chiefs did pressure Darnold. They didn't let him have a ton of time back there, but you need Frank Clark to really step up and be the pass rush that he was to start the year or in the playoffs. Hopefully, it's just been him having to take a ton of reps through these injuries that have slowed him down, but he hasn't looked the same like he did the first couple weeks these last few. Totally agree. Um, And it's kind of been, you know, obviously sacks don't tell the entire story. um, And that, you know, Sam Darnold was doing a really, really good job getting the ball out of his hands. And the Chiefs were still able to get some quick pressure at times. No doubt about it. Um, only one sack on the day. So the production from a from a statistical perspective, it was it was our guy Tershawn Wharton making another sack. Uh, he continues to make plays. Was saw the field uh, over Colin Saunders, who was a healthy scratch. Definitely something to monitor moving forward. Um, not great from the third round pick uh, out of uh, Western Illinois. Not something that you want to see right now. Um, Okay, boys, let's kind of close this thing out and get our final thoughts on the game. Craig, kick us off. I thought the Chiefs really finished strong. In my game preview article, I wrote about how the Chiefs defense really needed to step up and finish off a game. They allowed 62 second half yards. I know that's going to sound bad in comparison to the four that the Jets had last week, but that's really good. It was 2.2 yards per play. They really stepped up when they needed to. I even predicted a little bit that the Chiefs might have one of those soft dime drives where the Jets were able to drive down, maybe get a score, make it look a little closer than it actually was. That was not the case. The Chiefs definitely locked things up in the second half. You saw them come out there when the when the Chiefs offense was struggling to start the third quarter there. The Chiefs defense stepped up. They were making plays. Dan Sorensen comes up with a huge hit, forces a fumble, gives the ball back to the offense. Things work out from there. That kind of turned the tide, but I really liked the way the Chiefs defense did tighten up there in the second half. Again, bad team, but when you make bad teams look bad, that's what you're supposed to do. My final takes are really not that deep because this game went a lot of how I expected it to. And this was pretty much what I expected from the Chiefs offense. I thought the defense would have a little bit more pressure, but we kind of addressed that. So my big takeaway, the Chiefs covered this crazy spread. So I think according to the rules of war, we get to pick our reward. And I'm going to take Quinnen Williams uh, home to the Kansas City Chiefs with me because he's about the only reason that the Chiefs offense struggled at any point in times was him just completely dominating this interior offensive line for anybody who ever tried to say Quinnen Williams was a bust for where he was drafted for any you know maybe big wig media guys that tried to say Quinnen Williams has been a disappointment I suggest you watch this game and last week's game and the week before and the week before because he's about the only positive thing that team has going on right now he's on the same heater that Chris Jones is on he just has less talent around him (laughs) dude I the, Quinnen Williams has Chris Jones level talent. It, there's, there, it's undeniable. Like he, he has the potential to be, be elite, and he flashed like an elite player today. And if the market for him is really a second round pick, I would look. I'd give a first round pick for Quinnen Williams. It can't be. It, I'd give up a first round for him, even if the Chiefs don't need him, even if he's kind of redundant. I figure it out. You, he's an elite talent. Keep stacking blue chip players on this football team because he is one. He undoubtedly is one. Uh, why don't just Quinnen? Why don't you just go ahead and stay? 
just you know just get another night at at the you know at the at the Marriott just maybe just post up we'll get you ready uh, we'll we'll get you fitted for that jersey you're not going to be able to wear 95 I'm sorry we'll figure that one out too there's some logistics to work out obviously but let's get you here in Kansas City for another 3 years after this one all right, boys, that is going to do it for the AP Laboratory postgame. Chiefs win 35-9, to move to 7-1, and are sitting pretty with a game against the uh, the Carolina Panthers next week, then a bye week. Then things get a little tough. Raiders, Bucks, A lot to be looking forward to with this football team. But enjoy the win. 35-9, your Chiefs win. Catch you later. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.